This was a fight for the very identity of the church. And you might be thinking, wow, this seems like completely irrelevant to me because I'm neither Jewish or Greek and I didn't live 2,000 years ago and I don't know what I think about this Christian stuff. (laughs) But Paul makes these even larger points. And, And what he's saying in this chapter that we just read is that, you know what, we all have a tendency to be enslaved and we need freedom And you know what we're enslaved to? We get enslaved by religion. We get enslaved by the culture. And you know what? You get enslaved even by your own selfish desires. He said to them, you welcomed me, but something went sideways. What happened? They got religious. I I talked about this a couple weeks ago, how, how easy it was for me at 16 to move from a pagan idiot to a religious idiot and say dumb things that were unloving. <laughs> and my family's back there clapping. <laughs> they lost their joy. They, Paul says that they would have eye gouging. They would, they were, they're ready to give up their eyes. What in the world is Paul talking about? We know from other letters that Paul, at best, had a very, very, very bad eyesight. We, we know this because he writes and sometimes he'll say, I am writing my own, in my own hand, very large, because he wasn't able to see and he would have other people. Sometimes he would name the people that were taking his words by dictation. So he would say what he wanted to write down, and then at the end, he would sign it so they knew it was from him. And we don't know the specific situation in Galatia where he said, I was sick, and I came, and you took care of me, and I had to stop there. But we do know that these people were so responding to the joy of the gospel that they were like, man, if we could just give you our eyes, we would. I know you know like about that, right? When our daughter got really sick and couldn't lift her body up to sit up and she couldn't keep her eyes straight, I know 100% that I wish I was in that bed instead of her. The Baptist preacher 450 years ago, he says, You have never really lived until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. You want to know what real joy is? It's the joy that bubbles up inside of you to the point where you're able to sacrifice for others. Paul says he was in labor pains till Christ was fully formed in them. See, God loves you. He loves you in your mess. But he also, he loves you too much to just let you stay in your mess. And there's this sense in which God is looking at you, and you know what? He's not rolling his eyes. He's not disapproving of you. He's not like, oh, I caught your hand in the cookie jar again. He's not there with the hammer about to smash you, right? But at the same time, he's looking at you, and his heart breaks because he wants more for you. And to be someone who ministers like Paul, and actually each and every one of us, you know what they did 
this group of people that came up here, they said, they didn't come up here saying we're perfect, but they're saying, yeah, I'm going to jump in with that ministry. That ministry, uh, that's pain, that's sacrifice, that's putting other people's needs ahead of my own. We're called to love people like mothers. And I don't know, everybody's circumstances might be different, but I know that in our home anyway, mom ears are different than dad ears. <laughs> you know, like we can be downstairs or we can be in our bed, and if one of our five kids is making a noise, like I don't hear it. <laughs> and, you know, I'll admit, there are like a few times I hear it and pretend not to hear it. <laughs> But honestly, most of the time, I don't hear nothing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But every single time, one of the kids is up. <laughs> mom ears and mom eyes and mom never getting to take a break. That's the kind of picture that Paul paints for us. He says, I'm in labor pains for you. And he's saying this to people who have really hurt him. I mean, just years after he came there and saw them come to Christ, they're going after these other teachers that are telling them they got to get circumcised, they got to do X, Y, and Z. And like I told you, Galatians is rare because it's the only letter where Paul does not start off by saying, I thank God for you. But even though he can't say that, I thank God for you, He's still on the phone. He's still sending the messenger. He's still sending the, the DM. He's still sending the text. He's not stopping pursuing the Galatians. He still has hope for them. And I want you to know that you may not be able to realize this, but there are people in your life, and I'm one of them, that loves you, and sometimes it hurts, and we choose to continue to love you. And I want you to grow in your faith, and religion, and rules, and laws, they won't take you there. They won't get you to that destination. Paul's talking to a mixed group of people. And some people, their whole entire life, their culture was defined by resisting themselves and resisting the water world. And then another group of people, the larger group of people, their whole entire life was defined by conforming to the culture around them. And so you had some people who had to obey 600 plus commandments, wouldn't eat pork, wouldn't have two kinds of threads, and would observe all these days. And then you have these other people whose worship was, we go to the temple and we sleep with prostitutes and we just get drunk out of our minds. And Paul is saying that, you know what, both of you, I know this is like so hard for you to get around your head, but in Jesus, both of you are one family now. 
So how do we get there? We get there in a, through a new family. This new family of faith is a big deal. People who look different than you, who vote different than you, who think different than you, have a new place in your life. This is a great message on the day that people are joining the church. I, my mentor in the ministry, Doug Logan, he's preached here. Some of you have met him. Um, he would just love to give this illustration. And he'd get an extra joy if, you know, he, he's a loud black guy, right? And if he was in a group of a bunch of white people, what he would say is, listen, being family means I get to come to your house. I get to open the fridge. I get to pull out the food. I get to start cooking on the stove, right? And why did he do that? Partly because he was a little insane and like crazy outgoing. But the other reason he's proven a point. If we say we're brothers and sisters, it's got to mean something in reality. It's got to mean something beyond just words. There's this 21 Pilots song called Ride. And some of the lyrics go, I die for you. But that's easy to say. A bullet for you, a bullet for me, a bullet for everyone in this room. But I don't see any bullets coming through. Metaphorically, I'm the man. But literally, I don't know what I'd do. Listen, one of the good things for us here in Gloucester City is, you know, most of us are not in a situation where we're super self-sufficient and we don't need anybody and we don't need anybody to take a bullet for us. Guess what? You need some people to ride for you. And that's what it means to be one family, is that we ride for each other. And it's just not just in words. It's not just metaphorically. It's not just, oh, you know, I want to be there for you. It's like, no, we family. And we got to be there for each other. And the second part, the other side of the coin, is that you're not defined anymore. See, we're children of Abraham. We're not defined anymore by the things we used to be. It doesn't mean we're not those things anymore. Like you have a race, you have a gender, you have a personal history, you have a body with all kinds of history and sicknesses and health, but somehow Paul makes one of the greatest statements in the New Testament. And he says, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free. See, that's just part of your story. But now you're complete in Jesus. There are some people here like, I'm waiting for someone to complete me. I'm single and I wish I had somebody to complete me. And I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're in Christ, you are a complete person. You don't need anyone else to complete you. Jesus completes us, and he brings us together. If you come from a family that seems to determine your destiny, I was, this is more humorous, but I was sitting in a line that wrapped all the way around the middle school the other day for back-to-school night, and somebody in front of me was like, you know, it really just pisses me off that those people 
that are connected and work for the city get to park right there in that lot, you know, and I'm here, and because I'm, you know, I'm not going to say the last name because you'll know who it is, a small town, but because my name is this, I don't get to do that. (laughs) You know. Your background doesn't determine your destiny. Your last name doesn't determine who you are. Can you believe that? You know, we, I know that you guys are all too sensible to have ever watched Jerry Springer, but I remember Jerry Springer when I used to sit at home and watch that stuff. And I, I remember at the end of every show, right, he would have these final words, right? And it was like he was trying to sprinkle like a little nugget of morality on what clearly was this, you know, half hour or whatever of just total garbage. (laughs) Listen, we want far more than for you to just post some meme or speak some cute hallmark word over your life, your background doesn't determine where you're going. And part of being a part of God's family is that you get the blessing of being around people that are very different from you. Some may have strengths you don't have and some have weaknesses you don't have but not like a cult, not where you walk away from your family. You're called even more to be there in the holidays. You're called even more to engage your family, to be a witness, not to cut them off because they'll influence you. We're called to be better sons, better daughters, better mothers, better wives, better husbands. But now you have this new tradition And I know that some of you have, you know, let's name it, some of us have a Jerry Springer-like tradition in our family, and God's calling you to move out of that. You've got a new family and a new identity now. And mental illness and drugs and unfaithfulness and abuse, those things are in the past. And you can walk into health in Christ. There's healing. There's love. There's stability. There's a chance for real happiness together in Christ. You know, I've thought about this stuff a lot, and I believe that there's this reality that the sins of our grandparents, for some of us, maybe more closer to this, but I think... That in the past, our sins were stained with tribalism. You know, in the past, we knew who we were, and we protected it at all costs. And it came out in the form of racism, homophobia, sexism. Like, if you didn't fit inside some box that we conceived of, like... You're not one of us, and we hate you. (laughs) 
But I think the tragedy of today, I think the sin that we struggle with today, at least those especially coming up after me, is that there's not as much tribalism, but it's this sense of tribelessness. I don't know who my people are. Legit, if I had to borrow $1,000, there is nobody in the world that I could ask. I'm on my own. And I have to figure it out. I got to figure out what it means to be a boy at eight years old. I got to figure out what it means to be a man when I'm turning 20. I got to figure out everything for myself. Who are my people? You know, what happened to the family barbecues? What happened to the loyalty? What happened to, you know, if I'm in need, I know who's got me. There's a crushing weight on us. And in Christ, right, it's not determined by the box of culture or the box of religious rules, but it's determined by the direction of love. Like we're supposed to embrace one another because Christ died for us. And that's why we love each other because he first loved us. Nobody gets to walk around saying, nobody understands me. Nobody loves me. I'm just a piece of chopped liver. No, God loves you. He understands you. And you are worth more than the sparrows. And the Father, our Father in heaven feeds them and takes care of them. You're valued. And you're loved. Amen? So we have a new family. Paul, very clearly in his book, he says, we're not defined by our religious work, our self-effort to clean ourselves up, and we don't need to be defined either by our pagan past. All right? Can we get those two categories in our brain? You're not defined by the crazy stuff you used to do or that you're still doing that you got to walk out of. (laughs) But you're also not defined by being some religious churchy person that judges everybody else around them. Paul's going to tell us next week. (laughs) Brian McDonald's going to remind us next week that, that nothing matters. Circumcision or not being circumcision don't matter. What matters is faith expressing itself through love. So in verse 5-1, Paul says, For freedom Christ has set you free. So we have this family and we have this new freedom. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix. I think it's like really old now. I'm going to even give you an even older one later. But The Matrix gives you this idea, like if you just wake up, if you're just woke enough, you'll see like how things really are and you're unplugged from the system and you're able to wake up. And that's not biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is this, Jesus says that if anybody sins, he's a slave to sin. So freedom is not you just knowing more and you knowing more than everybody else and you now having a good perspective on things and you cynically sitting back thinking like, I know the game. (laughs) Biblical freedom is ultimately freedom from your selfishness, from yourself from your self-destructive habits. You know, sometimes you come to church and it feels like you experience the Darth Vader ministry. (laughs) You know, Darth Vader, that's the old one that was coming, I told you. And he's, you know, breathing, (gasps) 
right? And he, and he uses the force to choke his lieutenant or whatever. And, he, and, and the guy's saying, your religion's old and dumb. And what really matters is guns and all this stuff. And what does Vader says? He says, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And he chokes the guy out. <laughs> and some of us have experienced family like that. And some of us have experienced churches like that. And I, I want to tell you that I'm sorry if that's been your experience. This is what I'm inviting you to. And it may not sound as good as you think it's going to sound, but this is what happens. When you experience love, instead of somebody doing that to you, you come from your own self and you wake up to the reality that, yeah, you know what? My lack of faith is disturbing to me. And I want to grow in faith and I want to grow in love and I want to grow in hope. And the only way to do that is to come to Jesus and to ask him into your life, to ask him for this new family, to ask him for this new freedom. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would just use it in the nights to come, wake us up, use it in the days to come, help us to think about your truth, Lord. Draw us closer to yourself, Lord. Help us to hear from you and to grow in our faith and to be encouraged. Amen.